Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm uh, glad to be able to speak with you today about how you can be blessed. And we started a series last week. It was my last night in Florida and our family vacation. Uh, and uh, we started a series called Generosity. And generosity is the key uh, to being blessed to be a blessing. And uh, so I started talking about last week about tithing. And today I want to continue that because this is really the foundation uh, for God really pouring out his blessings on us because tithing isn't about a religious duty that we do or something we're supposed to do to please God, you know, or anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. It's all about trusting in him. So one of the things that we did last, uh, you know, last week when we were in vacation in Florida is we stayed as a family, we stayed in this resort that had a uh, putt-putting course. And I don't know if you've ever you know, been on a course where it has kind of two different tiers to it. And the top tier had two different holes. And depending on which hole you went your ball in, uh, you know, whether you'd come right out towards the hole and maybe get a hole in one, or you'd come all the way to the side and have this next really long putt. So when you first play a hole like that, you know, it's nice to have someone around that knows which, which hole to put, put it in. You know what I'm saying? So this is kind of the idea of trust for me. And I want to share this analogy with you to see if this helps you understand uh, the idea of tithing and why it's not just a, a religious activity that we do, but it really is trusting in God. You know, if someone says, hey, go down this hole, go down this hole, and they're a trustworthy person, and you decide, I, I'm going to do it my way, I don't trust them, then you're going to go down the other hole, and all of a sudden it goes to this other direction, and, you know, it, it doesn't work out that well. But if the person is trustworthy, and you, you, you actually trust them, so you put it in the hole that they tell you to, and then the ball goes through, and it either gets in a hole in one, or it's really close, you know, it works out well for us. And so the idea of this analogy is trust, trust is shown by obedience, right? And so this is how God has given us uh, the opportunity to follow him and trust in him is through the tithe. So every time that we receive an increase in our life, we are to then turn our attention to God, remind ourselves, God, thank you that this is from you. You are my provider. All that I have is from you. All that I need is in you, and it is a trusting relationship that we have with God. So last week we talked about the tithe, and I wanted to review that with you real quick and give you some more information about it. So a tithe means tenth, and it specifically means the first and the best of the uh, the the first and best tenth of an increase that you receive uh, from God. And so we present that back to God. And the tithe isn't something we give to God. It's actually something we bring to God because God says the tithe is mine. It's actually God's. And I'm going to walk you through a couple of verses today that kind of show that. But the idea of giving money to God doesn't really make sense to us, especially if we're kind of consumed with the culture around us. Because our culture in a, in a worldly mindset, this doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, you know, we, we, as I mentioned last week, uh, our, our nature, our fallen nature, our worldly mindset is to preserve our life, is to promote ourselves, is to find pleasure. And it's all about me, 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 get, acquire, hoard, collect, um, you know, save, preserve. And yet Jesus has the opposite, um, you know, message to us when he says, if you want to save your life, you want to preserve your life. You actually need to do what? Give it. You actually need to give it away. But if you try to save your life on your own, you will lose it. But if you give your life away 
for me, you will find it. And I know it just doesn't make any sense, but it's the same principle with so many different uh, areas in our walk with God. Is it doesn't always make sense, but it is about trust. And the core issue of, of tithing, of practicing tithing, is do you trust in God as your provider? Or do you trust in yourself? Now, God has an amazing blessing for us, and it's found in Malachi chapter 3. And so I want to read this passage for you and walk it walk through it with you. This is what God says, and, and he's talking to uh, the Israelites during a time where they became very untrusting of God, and their faith was wavering. In fact, it just kind of became a religion to them, and God is challenging them to come back to him and to trust in him, and that the reason why their lives are not go working out so well is because they're not trusting in him. They're not relying on him, and they're not following his instructions and that's just a result of not trusting in him. And so he says this in Malachi chapter 3, and he's talking about the tithe. And he starts with this very crazy question. And he says this in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. And you're like, well, how, how in the world can somebody rob from God, right? And he says, but you ask, how do we rob you? And he says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Now, uh, what God is saying is the tithe is mine and you bring that to me. When we do not bring the tithe to God, which is his, okay, he's saying you're robbing from me. You're spending on yourself or on whatever you want or doing whatever you want with that. That's not yours. It's mine and you're not bringing it to me and you're not honoring me and you're not recognizing uh, the role that I have in your life that all things come from me. Okay, so God says, because of that, you're under a curse. Not that God is cursing us, but it is the curse of independence. Just as we reviewed last week with the Garden of Eden, when we were tempted to go on our own way, to know our own path, to be our own God, we, we cut off our relationship with God and we ate of the fruit of the tree, if you will. We've all done this. We're all, you know, struggling with being uh, independent and prideful, and, uh, and that's, how, that's how our human nature is. But that's the curse, because as soon as we leave God, we leave life. As soon as we take on all the burden for ourselves, we take on stress, we take on anxiety, pressure, and we do not have what it takes to preserve our own life. And so Jesus is reminding us, all things come from God. We need to lay our life down, trust our life into God's hands, and he will bless us. But when we take uh, everything into our own hands, we are cutting God off from being that source of provision to us. Now all the burden is on us. And a lot of us can relate to the burden and the stress of trying to make it. We all have fears and anxieties and pressures because of moments where we took on all of this stuff that God says he wants us to cast onto him. And so tithing is all about trust. And so he's talking to them and he says this. Here's the solution. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God is speaking. And he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. So God is saying the solution here is to trust in me. You need to return to me. You need to trust in me with everything. And so 
But that's what the tithe represents. It is a reminder of every time we get paid, every time that, you know, we get a stimulus or whatever, when, when we have increase in our life. Of course, we work hard. We do our duty. We do our best, all of that. But what God is saying is your whole life, right, is a gift for me to you. And I want you to be reminded and protect your heart from pride, protect your heart, you know, from self-centeredness, from greed, from lust, protect your heart from your independence, right? And remember every time you have increase that it is coming from me, right? And then God says, when you do that, you are positioning yourself under my blessing and I will pour out my blessing on you. But God will not bless an independent spirit. He will not bless us in our waywardness. He will not bless us in our sin because it will destroy us. He doesn't want to encourage us continuing down that path. He wants us to know him, to trust in him so that we can have everything we've ever desired and needed in him and through him. Okay, so he goes on to say this. Here's the blessing of God. Um, that I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And so I, don't, I look at it like in practical terms. I know that God's blessing is on my home, my cars, uh, my refrigerator that's still like 23 years old and still working great. Uh, I mean, the blessing of God is on me in terms of giving me ideas and creativity. And, uh, and you know, we, we, every time that we go on a vacation, for example, as a family, we have a prayer as we're pulling out of the driveway. And we, we, we pray for God's protection over all of our properties, over our home, over, you know, everything that we own. And uh, we leave some angels at home and then we take the rest with us, right, to protect us and guard us on our way. And I just believe that the blessing of God is always on me uh, as I continue to develop that trust in relationship with him. And that's just a beautiful way to live life, to know God is with you and he's for you and his favor surrounds you, and you're blessed as you come, and you're blessed as you go, you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the country, right? You're the head, not the, the tail, the top, not the bottom. You'll be a lender to many and a borrower from none. These are just some of the blessings that God says he will pour out upon us as we trust in him. So the, the starting point of living a generous life is first of all, trust in God, because that unlocks the blessings into our lives. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. You might be new to, to the idea of tithing. Uh, again, tithing is a tenth. It may sound like a crazy idea to you. I can't afford to give a tenth of my paycheck to God. I, I mean, there's no way I could pay my bills. There's no way I could uh, make ends meet. And so, you know, how do I do this? And God is again saying to you and to me, test me. In this, trust me. If you will trust me, test me, try me. I'm promising that I will show you that when you put your trust in me, God is saying that I am a trustworthy God and I will bless you and take care of you. That's that's what he says. I don't want to add to that. It's just it is what it is. And so do you trust him? Do you trust God? I want to encourage you to take God up on that challenge and to trust him so that the blessings of God can begin to flow into your life in increasing ways so that you will be a blessing to others. Um, I also want to talk about kind of an idea 
that's a little bit of a debate at times. And some people argue that maybe perhaps because it was in the Old Testament, tithing isn't for today. Maybe we shouldn't even be worried about it at all. Uh, I do want to say that I believe that's a wrong interpretation of Scripture and uh, give you a couple reasons for that if you've ever wrestled with that. Uh, first of all, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, to get rid of the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He fulfilled all of the laws or the instructions of God. Okay, so Jesus himself said, I'm not here to get rid of this. I'm here to fulfill uh, the true spirit of the directions and the, and the instructions of God for you. So now the word for law that we usually uh, read in the Bible, where it says God's laws, is Torah in Hebrew. It's the word Torah. And it actually doesn't really carry the kind of meaning that we use when we think of the word law. It really means teaching, direction, instruction. All right. And it's an archery term. And so I like to summarize all of the learning I've done on this with a simple uh, word picture for you. It's the bullseye for life. All right. God paints the bullseye for life and says, you want abundant life. You want to be truly um, full of, of the plan that I have for you. Here's the bullseye. Right. And we take a shot at that bullseye. And when we hit that bullseye, we're in the sweet spot of life. And the bullseye is the law. But it doesn't sound like fun to me, does it? Does it doesn't sound, sound like fun to you? Law just has this negative connotation. But when I think about God saying, hey, here's how you have it all. Here's how you come alive. Here's how you thrive in life. These, these are my instructions. When you follow this, you will be blessed. That's, what, that's really a truer sense of what uh, the law is for. It's for us to know God and to walk in his ways. So another scripture I want to read about this is that God was speaking through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 31. And he said, there's going to be a new covenant that comes. And he says this, this is the covenant I will make right with the house of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man, his brother, saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me. There's this intimate relationship, God says, is going to happen. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So when did God forgive our wickedness and remember our sins no more? When Jesus died on the cross for us, right? So Jesus ushered in this new covenant that Jeremiah was recording from, from God speaking through him uh, to, to Israel, saying there's going to be a new covenant. And when this day takes place, I'm now going to write my law on your hearts and on your minds. So the law isn't going anywhere because the law is good and it's perfect and it's holy. It's not religion. It is the way to come fully alive, okay? I have much more to talk about this, but not really in this message. I just don't think we have time to go into all of this, but I do want to continue a little bit and show you a couple other things. So why do we tithe today? Is tithing still for today? And I would say absolutely yes. And there's a couple of reasons, not just for some of the reasons I just mentioned there, but I'm going to give you two more reasons. First of all, tithing existed long before the law. In fact, I believe in Genesis chapter 4, we see the first example of tithing when we see Cain and Abel coming 
to God and offering to him an offering. In verse two, it says, um, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. This is Genesis chapter four, verses two, three, and four. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Verse four, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now, very interesting. I just want to point out a couple words for you. First of all, notice Cain's offering. And it says, uh, God did not look on favor with Cain's offering. And I believe it was because of Cain's heart. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Some of the fruits of the soil. But look at the words that were used to describe Abel's. Abel brought fat portions, or in other words, the best, from some of the firstborn of his flock. Do you see that's the tithe? The first and the best. So we give the first and the best and the rest will be supernaturally blessed. Cain had in his heart a desire to honor God. He brought the first and the best of the first to God and to say, thank you, God, I recognize, right? All that I have is from you and I want to love you and honor you and thank you for blessing me. And Cain, it was almost like you get the sense that Cain's like, uh, I'll take some here and I'll give it to God and, you know, it's pro probably the, the reli right religious thing to do or something, right? I mean, you kind of get an attitude like that. And, and in fact, as soon as uh, we see this happen, Cain's true colors come out and he did have a bad attitude. In fact, it, it kind of started him on this path to that ended in the first murder in the Bible of him killing Abel out of jealousy and envy. So that's the first example. Tithing was way before the law. In fact, the first time the word tithe ever appears is in Genesis chapter 14, when Abram, who later became Abraham, tithed to the king of Salem, whose name was Melchizedek. And it says here, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And this was about 500 years before Moses wrote the law. So tithing existed, the idea of honoring and recognizing the blessing of life from God existed from the very beginning. So this isn't something that suddenly is just going to be done and cast away. We don't need to honor God anymore. We don't need to thank God anymore. So I, I, just, I just don't agree with tithing not still being for today because it is the tool for us to, to, uh, to honor God and to uh, contradict the greed, the lust, the independent spirit that is so prevalent upon our sinful nature. And it reverses the curse of the independence from the Garden of Eden. Tithing is the tool that reverses the curse and we return to trusting in God instead of ourselves. And once we return to God and trust in God by tithing, the blessing is restored. Okay. Now, the other reason why I would say that tithing is definitely for today is because Jesus himself also endorsed it. He said this in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. So Jesus is kind of upset and uh, he's saying, you're missing it here, guys. You give a tenth. In other words, you tithe. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. 
but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, which have to do with people, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So what Jesus was saying wasn't that you shouldn't be tithing. He said, yes, you should be doing that, but you should also be doing the greater matters of the, of the law or the intent of, of the instructions of God, and that is to have love for your neighbor, to have mercy for one another, for people, to love people. Jesus was saying, this isn't a religion, man. You know, this is life. How do you have fullness of life? And, and so it's not about just casting off tithing. Jesus is like, no, that's good that you're doing that. You're, that's good. You're honoring God. But there's way more than just you and God. What about all the people, right? And so they were missing a big part of that. And uh, I just really love how Jesus expounded on the idea of his teachings for the law and giving us the difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. A lot of people want religion because it's just cut and dry. But, uh, but God has a relationship for us, right? Not a religion. Uh, not a religion. And so J Jesus had to address this to his listeners and I love how he did it. I want to give you a couple examples. I hope this helps you see just the beauty of God's love for us. Um, I don't know if you grew up in a home with some basic rules uh, like this. Did you grow up in a home where you had a rule maybe that you couldn't play in the street <laughs> or run in the street or ride your bike in the street? Uh, or maybe you had a rule in your house where you, like I did, we had to brush our teeth before we go to bed. Uh, you know, you had to eat your vegetables or whatever. We got all these rules, right, or laws as we're growing up. But let me just ask you just a simple, silly question, right? Are those rules to make our life miserable? You know, are those rules from our parents? Did they give those rules to us because they didn't like us or they wanted to restrict us or they wanted us to be miserable or something like that? You know, of course not. It's a silly question. We know as parents, the reason we give those rules or laws, right, is to protect to save and to position our kids for success in the future. We don't want their teeth falling out, right? We don't want them getting hit by a car. Uh, we make them do their homework because we want them to learn what they need to learn so they can be a success in the future. We want them to eat their vegetables or, and things like that so they he have healthy bodies, right? So all the motivation of all the laws of God or the instructions of God is for you to have abundant life, to have abundant life, not to restrict you, not to harm you, not to make your life miserable. God doesn't give us laws so that, you know, we behave the way he wants us to behave. Everything from God is love. And all of the instructions of God are to help us prosper in every way. So we need to understand that. We need to trust God, that God loves us. He's for us. And everything God says is for our ultimate benefit because he is good and he does love us. And so Jesus gives us a couple of um, samples of this in the Sermon of the Mount on, in Matthew chapter 5. And he says, you've heard thou shalt not kill, right? You've heard do not murder. But I tell you, okay, so the letter of the law, do not murder. But Jesus says, but I tell you, the motive of this law, right? It's number six of the Ten Commandments. It's not just that you don't murder someone, but that you don't have hatred in your heart for someone. Because murder is the extreme result of an offense taken in a person's heart of anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness growing until it becomes hatred, until that hatred overtakes that person into a physical act of murder. And so Jesus teaches them, says, it's not just about murder. 
It's about having hatred in your heart. Actually, it's more about being offended and having disagreements with one another and not working them out. So the real purpose of the law, do not murder, is forgive. When you are hurt, when you are offended, forgive and reconcile with one another and get rid of that bitterness, get rid of that anger in your heart. Isn't that beautiful? Because it spoils our hearts. It spoils our life. And Jesus loves us. He says, that's the real purpose. He talks about adultery. He says, you've heard thou shalt not commit adultery, right? But I tell you, if inside your heart, your eyes are lusting for another woman, you've already broken the spirit of the law because the purpose of the law is to pay attention to those subtle things in our hearts because those subtle things in our hearts, they grow and grow like weeds until they take over and they cause greater pain in our lives. And of course, adultery is one of those most painful things that disrupts, destroys marriages and families. But it starts in the heart. So Jesus is saying to us, cleanse your heart. Be radical about those subtle thoughts and, and um, make sure that you're weeding that stuff out so that you have abundant life and you don't let sin grow and take over. He said, uh, you've heard eye for eye, tooth for tooth, you know, that whole justice idea. And at first, you know, it sounds like a barbarian way to, to, uh, to administer justice. You, you, hurt, you broke his arm, get over here. Snap, you know, snap his arm. Uh, you know, that's kind of what it sounds like. And Jesus said, you've heard about that. But then he goes into teaching them and showing them it's actually not about the punishing of the, 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 the person uh, that did something wrong, but it's about bringing an awareness to each person. Listen, the ultimate expression of this law is really the opposite, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Think about what you do and what you do, how it affects someone else. If you harm someone's eye, think about your eye being harmed. And instead of just being willy-nilly about not caring about anybody, treat one another as you want to be treated. That's, I mean, that's beautiful. That's really what the spirit of that justice law is all about, is to get people to love one another and to treat one another as God treats us. And so now we look at the idea of tithing. Why would God uh, ask for money? Does, is God broke? <laughs> you know, uh, does God need it? No, of course not. God owns everything, right? So why would God put up a, a, a system here where he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to bless you. And every time I bless you, the first 10% of whatever I bless you belongs to me. You bring it back to me. Just show me that you know it's from me. Honor me by recognizing that, that I am your provider. Then I will continue to bless you and bless you and bless you. Okay, so what's the spirit of that law? It's that we would trust in him. It's that we would know him. And in fact, when we get to the New Testament and we see Jesus' teaching, uh, his teaching isn't about 10%. Basically, if you want to summarize what Jesus' uh, teaching is, it would be give 100%, <laughs> right? Give your life, right? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever uh, gives his life denies himself, takes up the cross daily and follows me, trusts in me wholeheartedly, 100%, right? That's Jesus's message. And his message is this, you know, in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. God will take care of your clothing and your food and your shelter. God knows what you need, just like he knows what the, the birds of the air need and he takes care of them. Trust in him. Don't worry about these things. You know, don't get caught up in the things that the world gets caught up with. Don't be running on the hamster wheel of uh, of providing for yourself and trying to make ends meet. Trust in God. Jesus' message is all out. It's all, we're all in with him. We're trusting in him. And so we have these resources from heaven that God puts in our hands. And the tithe is just that continual reminder to trust in God. And that all that we have is God's. And then we have this 90%, if you will, that's still in our hands. And we still want to live like this with God, open-handed. God, it's all yours anyway. I know that you have blessed me that my family has what we need. But Lord, you have also blessed me so that I can be a blessing. And so we live like this because what we have is not ours. And when we see a need, when we feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to give, to help someone, to be a part of something, we do that, whether it's our time or our talents or our energy or our money. Uh, we do that because that's who we are. We are the children of God. We are called to be blessed, to be a blessing. You see, so it's actually 100%, right? Even after the tithe and then God's blessings is continuing to flow in us the rest of our lives, we are living with open hands by the direction of God Almighty because if God wants us to give what is still His to a cause or to a person, whether that's my time or energy or money, we know that the blessing of God will continue to fuel and fill us as needed for everything that God wants to do. That's the Christian perspective. That's the Christian or biblical worldview. Now, in the Old Testament, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if I have time to teach all of this, but for the Jewish Orthodox teaching and in the scriptures, when you look at the laws, the Jews actually had three tithes, three tithes. They had the sacred Levitical tithe, which you can read about in Numbers 18.21, which is really what we practice today in our local churches. And that is where they brought the, the first and the best 10% to the temple, to the Levites, to the priests, and they offered it to the work of God and to the people who are doing the work of God. So people like me, you know, so in our church, the tie that comes to the church here, you know, it pays for uh, the staff salaries, it pays for the building, and it and, and allows people like me to serve full time the needs of our congregation and also the promotion and the advancement of the gospel to our community and also to the world. And so that's why that's why we're doing this right now, uh, because of the tithe allows me to to do this as a pastor full time to serve God, to serve the needs of God's people and to serve the kingdom of God on the earth. And so uh, so that's where that that tithe goes. And that's what it's for. And, and also our church, and I believe a lot of other churches do it this way, too. We take from what has been given and we also tithe that back into missions. So we support some great missions in India uh, and in Africa. And then, of course, here in our local community, we do several events throughout the year that are, are focused on reaching out, blessing people, having an impact in our community. So we also tithe from the tithe. It's very biblical, and it's really awesome to be able to do that. But there's two other tithes that the Bible mentions, and I'm just going to mention them too, just so that you know, because I thought it was interesting. There's another tithe called the feast tithe. And this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 
verses 22 to 27. But I kind of nicknamed this tithe the vacation tithe. This is uh, something I believe in uh, quite deeply, that we need to have time together as families. And the Bible, believe it or not, God actually instructed the people to take another tithe, another 10%, to set that aside for their family to travel to Jerusalem three times a year for these big week-long festivals and celebrations. And the tithe was spent on themselves. <laughs> it was their vacation money. And they would buy all the foods that they loved and they would celebrate and just have a great time. Three times a year, one week vacations, that was the second tithe. So you see, the first tithe was for God's work on the earth, God's kingdom, God's building, God's, you know, God's activity. The second tithe was for the family, for you to enjoy and celebrate. And you were supposed to go and celebrate God's goodness to you and your family. That was the idea of the second tithe. And the third tithe is called the poor tithe. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Every three years, you're to bring a third tithe and they would put it pretty much, let's just say, in a, in a bank account or in a storage. And that tithe was used to take care of the needs of the widows, the orphans, the needy, the poor among the people in the community. And so that was every three years. And so the actual tithe amount of a a uh, practicing Jew who was honoring the law and doing what God wanted them to do uh, was actually 23.3% of their income because they had the 10% going to the uh, temple, 10% going to their family for their vacations, and then every three years, another 10%. So that'd be 3% every year going to the poor. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? 23.3%. Now in America and in our, in our country, you know, there's very few people that, that tithe actually a tithe, <laughs> actually a 10%. But I'm just trying to encourage you to follow God in this because I have done this my whole life and I have seen the blessings of God on me continually. I can't even, there's not enough time for me to talk about all the ways that God has blessed me uh, with you. But God is faithful to his word and he wants, he doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. He wants you to trust him. And when you put God and you position God in that place of trust, he is now free to be God to you. And that's the key. We walk back under the blessing of trusting in God from our independence. The desert of independence, we come home to God, we trust him. So I want to encourage you to trust in God. The Bible says, God says, you test me in this. So take God up on that challenge and begin to tithe and watch what God will do in your, in your life. You will be blessed to be a blessing. And the final thing I want to share with you is in Deuteronomy chapter 26. It just gives us this beautiful outline of how, uh, of how the tithe is to be done. I'm going to read it for you very quickly and close with this, okay? Genesis chapter 26 says here, When you have entered the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits, take the tithe of all that you produce from the soil of the land your God, uh, of the land the Lord your God has given you and put them in a basket, okay? So first point I want to make is we work. It says, all that you produce from the soil. So we go to work and our work is worship to God. And we, we don't have time to talk about that any more than that statement, but I'll just say it that way. Our work is worship to God. And when we work, there is a, there is a, there's a 
production that takes place. So God says, when you get in the land and you're, you're working the land, take some of the first fruits, right? Take the tithe, put it in a basket and go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. So go to the place of the temple. Go to the place of your local congregation, right? And say to the priest in office at that time, say this. So now this person is supposed to say this. I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. That's who they're talking about, Abraham. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. That's the time of Moses. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice, saw our misery, our toil and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with Moses, right? With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place, remember, through Joseph, or uh, not Joseph, Joshua, right? Uh, Joshua was Moses' successor. So after 40 years in the desert, now it says he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. All right. So what's going on here? So we bring our, our tithe and now we begin to testify. God has been good to me. I don't know what your testimony is, but that's what their testimony was. God has placed me in this land. God has rescued me from a life of misery, a life of bondage. We came out of that brokenness, out of that misery. And now God has saved me. God has blessed me. He has given me this job. He's given me this home. He has given me this family. God has blessed me. And so do you see what I'm doing? So I am bringing my tithe to the Lord, but I am testifying to God's goodness in my life. I'm quickening my heart to the truth that God has been with me and God has blessed me. Not just me, not all of my effort, but God has made this happen, right? And in verse 10, it says, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. And you place the basket before the Lord your God and you bow down before him. Verse 11, then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Isn't that beautiful? So we, we collect, we work, we collect, we bring, we testify, we set it before the Lord and we say, God, and so now I am bringing back to you the first fruits of the blessing that you have poured into my life. And then you rejoice and celebrate how good God has been to you. That's the heart of the tithe. And in verse 15, it says that there's a prayer. And we can pray this prayer every time we are giving our tithe. We can say this. And it says this, look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so verse 16, God responds and he says this, the Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him. 
that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws, that you will listen to him. Do you see all this about trusting God? You're going to trust him. You're going to follow his, his ways. Verse 18, and the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame, and honor high above all the nations he has made and that you will be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. And God is saying, now that you are trusting in me, now that you are following my, my ways and my commands, you are showing me that you trust me and follow me. I am going to bless you and honor you far above all the other nations. Now, this is God's promise to you personally as well. As you trust in him, God says, test me in this and I will bless you. And so may you be quickened to overcome fear, overcome pride, overcome self-centeredness, whatever, and trust in the Lord your God, who is your provider. God, as we close this time together, I pray, Lord, for the outpouring of an open heaven over everyone who is stepping into this trusting relationship with you, with money. Don't let money be our God, Lord. Help us to be free from a worldly mindset so that we can walk into an abundant life with you and have an overflowing life that we not only are blessed and our needs are, are met, but Lord, that we are a overflowing blessing to the world around us and to the advancing of your gospel and the kingdom of God on the earth. Thank you, Lord, today, Jesus, that you love us, you're for us, and you're with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. We can trust in you at all times. I pray your blessing of abundance upon everyone who's watching this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to leave you with the blessing of the Lord. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. Hope to see you soon. And also just real quick reminder, we are having two services on Easter Sunday. If you're able to make it, one's at nine o'clock, one's at 11. If I don't see you, I'll see you on the video. Okay. God bless you. Have a great day.